There are two great liturgical feasts at the core of the Catholic experience of time, Christmas and Easter. It is because of Christmas that we add the letters A.D. when we write out the year, 2016 and soon to be 2017, Anno Domini. A.D. is actually an abbreviation of an even longer acronym, A-D-N-J-C, Anno Domini Nostri Jesu Christi, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I think we all know what B.C. means. Now, there is a slight problem with this when it comes to figuring out what year Christ was born. He could not have been born in the year zero because there wasn't one. The zero had not been invented yet. Nor was he born in the year 1 A.D. According to the Gospel of Matthew, Herod was king of Judah when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But Herod died in 4 B.C., which means that Christ must have been born in 5 or 6 B.C. And yes, for those of you who have already connected the dots, this means that Jesus was born five years before Christ. Now, I'm interested in this little bit of trivia only because it is connected to an event that took place in the year 63 B.C. The Roman general, Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus, known to history as Pompey the Great, invaded the Holy Land at the head of a large army and laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. The city held out for three months before the Romans broke through the defenses and sacked the city, and the temple was the last building to be taken. Pompey knew that the Jews refused to honor Roman or Greek gods, but there was some mystery about the nature of their own god. What did their god look like? Nobody really knew. So Pompey determined to see for himself. He made his way to the Temple Mount. He actually fought his way to the Temple Mount and marched through the surrounding courts into the sanctuary. He passed through the court of the priests, past the altar of sacrifice, and through the great doors into the long outer hall of the tabernacle. At the far end of this room was a small room veiled by a thick curtain made of linen woven with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and embroidered with the figures of the cherubim. Behind this curtain was the Holy of Holies, where God has ch had chosen to dwell among his people. This was the place that only the high priest was allowed to enter, and then only once a year on Yom Kippur. Pompey approached the curtain, and probably wondering what was on the other side, what image he would find there, something perhaps like the pagan temples he was used to. He swept the curtain aside and stepped into a small chamber, and there he saw... In fact, we know what he saw. Nothing. The Holy of Holies was an empty room with bare walls and a rough stone floor. Now, it's a very small step from seeing nothing to the conclusion that there is because there is nothing to see. Pompey made that connection, and he was not the first to do so. When the world declares that it cannot see God, it arrives at the same conclusion. God is not just absent, God's non-existent. A case in point, in 1961, the Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, who was the first man in space, is said to have remarked when he returned to Earth 
that he did not see God in space as he orbited the planet. The party apparatchiks thought that this was very clever, so it became part of the official Soviet anti-religion campaign of the 1960s. At some point, the problem of this perceived absence must have also occurred in the mind of the Holy Trinity. But what could be done about it? God is eternal and therefore deathless, unchanging because uncreated, ineffable and so completely unknowable. In effect, to change that, God would have to become everything he was not. The creator would have to become a creature. The immortal would have to subject himself to death. The invisible and ineffable would have to become visible and knowable as a human being. But human beings start life out as babies who crawl before they can walk and babble before they can speak. So the divine Logos did not descend from heaven, fully formed as an adult with a PhD in theology from the University of Chicago Divinity School, class of 6 BC. He had to be born, and this meant having to accept all the inconveniences of being in a human body, everything from diaper rash to runny nose. This is the theologically disruptive heart of the Christmas message. The child in the manger is the visible form of the invisible God Pompey unknowingly encountered in the Holy of Holies, a God willing to become small and vulnerable in the body of a tiny infant. And this is the scandalous comedy of the Incarnation, God participating in the human condition, however laughable and absurd. And on Good Friday, God in Christ will go so far as to embrace not merely the laughable and absurd, but the tragedy of human existence when he accepts death on a cross, the ultimate sign of helplessness and vulnerability, God stripped of everything we associate with divinity. This momentous event is what we celebrate on Christmas, the paradox of God becoming a human body. Uh, the world may say that God does not exist because he cannot be seen, but in fact, God himself has pulled aside the curtain and become visible with those with the eyes of faith. <laughs>